you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey, hey, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I'm Oliver Banks, your host and your guide to successfully delivering your retail transformation. Thank you for tuning in to episode 119, number 119. And today we're diving into predictive modeling. And by that, we're talking about predictive modeling as a technique using maths and logical methods to predict the future. I believe it's an essential tool on the journey to becoming truly data-driven. And using this mathematical approach with equations and algorithms helps you define how the world works. That predictive model can then be used to forecast an outcome or series of outcomes at some future state or future point in time. Then, using a series of inputs, you can adjust how the future changes based on elements that are within your control. Essentially, it allows you to ask the future, what if? Now, in a transformation, you are going to be moving to a relatively unknown future state. You don't know how effective actions will be. You don't know how profitable it will be. You don't know how popular certain propositions will be. There are lots of unknowns. But predictive modeling allows you to define these unknowns and then take an intelligent estimation or calculation about them, and thus the actions that you should take right now to most positively adjust the future. So why do I think you should care more about predictive modeling? Well, we've touched on it already, right? Predicting the future allows you to use data and take action, intelligent action, right now to work towards the best possible future outcome. And today we're going to be diving into six different steps that you can take to make your predictive models a key part of your transformation. And if they're not already, then I strongly believe that they should be. Prior to retail, I was in an engineering background where I did my Lean Six Sigma Black Belt. And there I learned a huge amount of modeling skill sets, I suppose, and really saw the benefits of being able to predict the future with a range of different inputs. Building complex multi-part models with lots of statistical inputs. And I tell you, the first time that I built a really complex model and it worked was an amazing feeling, to be honest. <laughs> like you've created fire for the first time. <laughs> but just before we do get into it, I just wanted to touch on the difference between analysis and modeling. Now, both are important parts on the way to becoming data-driven, but there is a difference. For me, analysis is more about telling a story of what has happened, whereas modeling is more about extrapolating, making assumptions to make that prediction, as we've touched on already. So in a way, for me, analysis is about the past. It's about data that is locked and loaded, whereas about modeling is about the future and making sensible estimations about what that future could hold. I hope that makes sense. I'm not sure if that's your definition of analysis and modeling as well. Another way of looking at it is, if the data is a series of dots, the analysis is connecting the dots with lines. 
and then the insight is looking at that picture. But the modeling is then making that picture move, turning it into an animation, shall we say. So they're very similar and very connected, but they are subtly different. So in terms of modeling, there are, well, any number of different models that you could create, right? Certainly some of the ones that I've used in the past are around operational processes, looking at future volumes for different propositions, looking at customer journey mapping, and looking at how customers flow through different parts of the processes you have in place. You know, perhaps in a call center, looking at different root causes as to why customers are calling or getting in contact and how they route through the different options. It could be looking at resourcing in stores as well. Thinking about, again, different processes, different touch points, looking at different volumes of customers. It could be looking at productivity models to assess where the time is being spent and where the money is being spent, of course, and where you're getting your best bang for buck. And a build on for that could be then looking at which are the best projects or opportunities to go after that really do drive the best change. You could even look at modeling management structures and hierarchies across your entire retail estate. There are a huge number, and that's just touching the surface. You could predict and model anything, frankly. And we'll be getting into just how you go about doing that in a little moment. But they can be so powerful, these predictive models. If you get them right, you can see the future and avoid making a number of costly mistakes. You know, it's much faster and much cheaper to be able to quickly model something up rather than set up a full trial or a full proof of concept. And then if you are making incorrect decisions, hey, it's much easier to decide that actually we need to go in a different path when you're just in a, a theoretical model rather than, you know, you've got a series of stores set up on a trial and it's not working, right? It allows you to model multiple scenarios very quickly, as we just said, and then have wider discussions about these different scenarios and about the future as a whole. You know, discover additional considerations from the different stakeholders involved. The model can then feed business cases and business decisions and providing justification as to why you are spending money or why you are deciding to go for option A rather than option B, for example. And you can also enable more mitigation planning for your given option to, again, maximize the best chances of success. And really, the ultimate benefit is around becoming more data-driven and using data to make intelligent decisions that can actually build trust because people can see how you are coming to that conclusion. And it's a more sensible, more logical way, rather than just saying, I think X and Y and Z will happen, or that we should choose option A, for example. Using the data allows you to back it up and say, this is why I predict X and Y and Z will happen. Or this is why option A is the best option for us. But there are a number of challenges as well with predictive modeling. Perhaps you're sitting there thinking, can you predict the future? You know, we live in this volatile and uncertain world. Is there any point in trying to work out what's going to happen next? You would have never have predicted the pandemic would happen. And that's absolutely true. There are always going to be curveballs that come in from left field, so to speak. There are always going to be elements that you can't predict. But for me, predictive modeling is the difference between taking control of your destiny or just deciding to wait for the future to happen to you. It's about being proactive rather than reactive. 
I learned that a model is always wrong, but some models may be useful. So that's an important mindset to keep in mind if you're thinking about that challenge that maybe you can't predict it. Your model is wrong, but it still can be useful. Obviously, there are challenges around the capability to be able to build them and needing to invest in that skill set to be able to get them going. And actually, you need people with a predictive mindset that are uncomfortable with not knowing things, but are curious and they have a problem solving mindset and are willing to take leaps of faith supported by both logic and experience. It's easy to make mistakes when doing predictive modeling, and it's actually harder than in real life to see those mistakes happening, in my view. And obviously, depending on the severity of that mistake, that could have a a major outcome. So you've got to be very careful and diligent as you're going through that predictive modeling process. And there's always got to be the appreciation that the model is most likely to reflect the perfect world. It cannot include all of the different noises that you do experience, but there are ways that you can look to understand the noises, the variations that happen in the real world, and then blend them into the modeling so that you have this safety factor or this element of being able to cope with huge variability, for example. So I've got these six steps that I wanted to run through with you to help you become better at predictive modeling. And if you want a refresher of these six steps, then make sure to head over to the show notes at obandco.uk slash 119. And if you want to reach out to discuss any of these or think about how you could use predictive modeling to set yourself on a path to better transformation success, then do reach out oliver.banks at obandco.uk. So the first of these six steps is defining. Defining the purpose of your model. Defining what you are trying to do. If you don't start at this stage, you're just going to meander through. But think about think about what you want to know. What's the exam question, so to speak, that you're being set? And think about why are you wanting to know that as well, of course. From there, you can begin to think how you would predict that particular thing. How are you going to come to that answer? which will lead you on to defining the approach. There are a number of different calculations that you can include or algorithm elements that you could include as well. Probably the most common element to include is is an element of regression. That is a linear relationship, being able to understand or predict the line of best fit, so to speak, through a series of data points and then working out where you sit on that line of best fit. That's at its most basic level. Obviously, depending on what the model is, There are a number of other different strategies and tactics that you can take on as well. And you may want to think about defining a series of different modules of your overall predictive model, splitting it up, chunking it up into manageable elements that feed into each other. And then the final thing to consider during this defining stage is around the variables, the levers, the inputs. These are elements that you can control or could measure before the future happens that allow you to adjust the outcome. So the first step is around defining. The second step is then gathering, hunting down the data that you need to feed into your model. Think about what data that is and what the source of that data is. Think about what data you'd ideally like as well. Maybe it's not possible, but maybe there are proxies in there, other data sources that mimic what you would have ideally wanted. You know, during this stage, you're going to be 
reviewing what's available in your data warehouse or in the data lake, and talking to different teams around the business as well to make sure that you are considering all of the different elements. Particularly if you need to blend in data from multiple sources, you need to make sure that it's fair and consistent. You want to be comparing apples for apples rather than apples to oranges, so to speak. What does that look like in real life? Again, depending on what the model is, it could be anything. Maybe you want to avoid using low-density store data to predict what will happen in a high-density store. Or don't use peak volumes to predict what your trough volumes will be as well. Almost the second part of this second stage is around data cleaning. This is about making sure that you have trustworthy data that reflects the truth. So you're going to be wanting to remove any sort of weird outlying data points. You're going to want to remove any duplicate data. You're going to want to remove missing data or understand why there is missing data as well, of course. And you may need to think about whether there are different segments of data that are combined together that are muddying the water. So the second step is gathering. Let's move on to the third step, which is prototyping. Now, this is about creating an outline model and checking that the maths is working, checking that the data is flowing through nicely, checking that you have the right data and it's not missing certain elements, checking that you're getting sensible answers. Really here, you want to be focusing in on a smaller subset of the model and perhaps even a smaller subset of the data, really with a view of getting something quick and being able to check and run the model. This will build your confidence and allows you to help build confidence around the organization that this predictive model can predict the future. And I suppose that's a really key part of this whole conversation, right? If no one believes that the model predicts the future, then arguably it's worthless, right? Stakeholder management is a really key piece across all of these different sections to build trust and to build commitment behind the predictive modeling approach that you are taking. Start with a subsection or a module and build it out. Test out the limits. Manually adjust the variables. See if the model is behaving as you would expect. See if it's giving sensible results. And if it's not, then it's much easier to dive into just a small part of the model to understand what's happening and to make the fixes that are required. And really, at this step, it's worth asking the question, is it worth continuing? Is there value in this predictive model? Is it going to be a useful model? And what changes do you need to make before you go on and build the full model? So that's the third step. And I should point out, by the way, that these steps are not rigid. There should be a level of overlap between them. So don't go and gather all the data and then stop before you start prototyping, right? I'm sure you got that, but let's just make it crystal clear, right? <laughs> the fourth stage is building. Now, this is where you take your prototype and you start to add in the detail. You expand it out to include more elements, more areas, include all of the different data sources or data sections that you are getting, really with a view of building the final model. Take lessons from Agile, build it in an Agile way, in stages, in sections, and stay flexible based on how that development goes. Now, as you're going through this, you're going to want to continue to check that it is working effectively. And there may even be benefit of starting to run the model and make decisions and actions rather than waiting for everything to be completed. And this is where these steps aren't rigid, right? And defined, there is an overlap as you go across them. 
Another important consideration is to make assumptions as you are going through this modeling process. Make sure that you understand the assumptions that you are making. Otherwise, you make an ass of you and me, as I say. Make sure you document them out. And really, as you continue to go through this process, you want to firm up each assumption. You want to say, I don't suspect this. I know this. Some, of course, you're never going to be able to do, but you can get a handle on it. So make sure you keep track of your assumptions and firm them up. Make them more rigid so that they can be adjusted if needed. Now, this building stage gets you to a point where you have perhaps a beast of a model coming out of it, right? Which leads us on to the fifth step, which is about validating. It's important to validate your model to make sure that it is working and that it is predicting real life. Personally, for me, I like to use some recent historical data to be able to validate the model. Put in the different inputs, put in the different data sources and see what it outputs. You can then check that against what has just happened because it's recent historical. You don't have to wait for it to happen. But also, if there are errors, it allows you to reverse engineer what real life was like compared to what the model was like. Find that discrepancy, understand it, and make adjustments to the model. And then go back and revalidate it. And again, this is one of these stages that you're going to want to do as you're going through the model. Don't wait until you've built the complete model, you've got it perfectly finished, perfectly polished, and then go and validate and it doesn't work, right? That would be the worst possible thing. Well, if it just threw up an error, right? That would be like, ah. <laughs> and that brings us on to step six, which is about using the model. Test different inputs. Test different scenarios. Understand the sensitivity of the different inputs as well. As you are using the model, continue to improve the assumptions that you made earlier on. Continue to validate. And especially if there are any significant changes in your operating model or perhaps in the wider market, right? And then look to continually improve the model. Add different elements on as they are required or if the scope or purpose extends. Keep refreshing and feeding the model with newer, up-to-date data sources. Again, continuing to keep that data clean as you go. And also in this stage, it's important to understand who owns the model, both from a running perspective and using perspective, as well as a further development perspective, because they may or may not be the same person or people or team, right? And really, as you are using this model, it's so important to think about that point that I raised earlier. A model is always wrong, but some models may be useful. Make sure that your model is useful. Use it and keep using it as well. So those are the six steps that I wanted to guide you through today to make predictive models a huge opportunity for your transformation and to help you find the best future available. Those six steps I'm going to put on the show notes page at obandco.uk slash 119. But just as a quick reminder, they were one, defining two, gathering, three, prototyping, four, building, five, validating, and six, using. And I believe if you follow these six steps, then you can make your predictive models useful and help your organization make more intelligent, sensible decisions about the future. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. Have you tried using predictive models? 
Have you run into problems in the past? Have you got additional tips to share? Do reach out on LinkedIn. I'm Oliver Banks or on email oliver.banks at obandco.uk. Also, reach out if you would love to use predictive models more successfully in your business. It would be great to be able to work together and to help you. As I say, I've worked with a number of different clients on a number of different models, and so perhaps we could work together as well. My email again, oliver.banks at obandco.uk. If you've enjoyed this episode, then why not listen to another couple of episodes of the podcast? Check out episode 111, which was about defining your perfect KPIs, or scroll all the way back through the archives to episode 8, which was about transforming your data for real results. I'll put the links to those on the show notes today, which is obandco.uk slash 119. Thank you for tuning in to this episode and to the podcast as well. Do remember to hit subscribe if you've not already done so. And hey, could I ask a favour? Do you know someone perhaps in your team or in your wider business, a peer, a colleague, a friend, that would love to listen to this podcast as well? Why don't you tell them about it? Send them a a quick message or a quick email or mention it in your next meeting with them. I'd be super thankful and I'm sure they will be as well. So we're wrapping this one up right now. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll look forward to joining you in another episode coming at you very soon. Bye for now.